0: There's a famous saying in radio that says you have to play the hits. And so due to <laughs> popular demand, I am playing the hits and bringing back the most popular guest that I've ever had on my podcast. Head, uh, assistant head coach of the Massachusetts football, football team, Stan Pierre. Well, Stan, it's uh, here we are again, three years later. This is the last time we did this. Isn't it crazy yeah. how time
1: flies? Well, I remember uh, it, it feels like no time fly because if I recall correctly, the last time was, just at the beginning of the pandemic so there's a lot of um uncertainty around that and uh and those three years i mean i i'm sure things happened i can't tell you what they were it's just kind of a blur now so yeah, it's it's good to be back i mean um we're still doing this over the zoom but uh I, it's it's uh comforting to know that we could be doing it just as well in person
0: absolutely and I mean, in, in that span of three years, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened The in the football program. And you guys have made a lot of great moves in the offseason. And I'm sure that you're probably really excited to to be back in the swing of things as you guys were in the last year and the year before. Just being able to, to just be in your regular routine. Because when we last chatted, like it was just learn, learn, learn. Who knows when football is coming back?
1: Yeah, 100%. So, it, it, you know, we're getting ready to start next week. and you know, everybody will be piled into that meeting room again. And it, it's, it's much nicer. Yeah.
0: Uh, one of the last episodes I had of my podcast before I, I transitioned to this one was with coach Urbanovich. And I, I asked him a question, the last one, and I said to him, uh, coach, can you tell me who, who the funniest uh, person in the head coach or in the coaching staff is for the Bison football team? And he said, I have to go with coach Pierre. He's just <laughs> really good at weeding out the, the young guys and keeping them on their toes so would you do you do you concur that you are the the king comedian of the Boston football coaching staff
1: i don't i mean i don't know certainly that's for other people to decide i i, I mean you know me i i certainly like to keep things light and uh you know uh in that room especially um you know if you if you miss miss say something or misstep, somebody's gonna jump all over it um I would prefer it to be in a funny note as opposed to, you know, perhaps a stinging note. So, um, you know, uh, coach, you made me laugh too. I'm going to miss him. It's, it's going to be different without him.
0: I remember we had a conversation about the, the strength of the bond within a university coaching football locker room. What can you, how can you describe that relationship that you have with the guys who have been coaching alongside you or you've coached when they played for the Bisons over the whole course of your time with manitoba
1: yeah i think i think we're really careful about who we bring into that room which is important i think um the culture in the coaches room is no different than the cultures in the players room and um you know we don't see ourselves much differently than we did when we were playing you know it's still a locker room kind of mentality in there and and that type of camaraderie uh but that could uh Just like in the players' room, that could get off the rails really quick. So um, I think it's really important for us to have the right people in the room uh, and people that we enjoy working with, uh, as well as, you know, quality football coaches. What do you think is
0: the most challenging thing about putting together a coaching staff in university football?
1: Well, it's really tough because it's not, we're not putting together 12 full-time coaches, you know, so there's, there's the aspect of them having to give up so much of their time. And so much of their time to the level to coach at this level. So, um, you know, it's still a a higher level of coaching, but um, they don't get to spend the type of time that, you know, maybe a full-time coach would. So that that commitment is hard on the coaches and their families. Um, So, you know, that has to be um, nurtured and understood. And um, there's a lot of flexibility and give and take, and we understand what's going on in those guys' lives. When you first went into coaching, did you ever envision that you would
0: grow into the role that you have now with the with the bisons?
1: no <laughs> no um you know uh when I started coaching well I started coaching high school first and then I transitioned to university and you know, I just loved the game and i I was fresh out of the game, so I wanted to stay involved and uh it just it just evolved you know um when I started, I was a volunteer coach, man, and I was grinding away and at my job, planning practice, and you know all those sort of things. And um, it, it uh, it's not something that I pursued or looked to as a career choice. But when the opportunity came, um, then yeah, it, I was certainly excited to to take the opportunity. I think we also had this discussion
0: about how people who are in the coaching ranks eventually you I don't know I don't know if you can really plan to necessarily be in this position at university but that the word is that being in university sometimes is better than what people may think when they're trying to get to the CFL or the NFL what do you how do you contrast the pros and cons of young coaches who are on the rise if they're trying to get to university versus if they're trying to be a professional coach in
1: the CFL or NFL well, the NFL, I mean, that's that's really hard. I, I, I think I think people, um, I think they should look at it like in a regular marketplace. So, you know, if you're looking at a, a place in the marketplace where salaries are, you know, four, five, six million, you know, down to, you know, what would be the lowest paid coach in the NFL? I don't know, half a million, you know. Um, those are... Um, those are going to be highly sought after jobs by by. It's going to be very competitive. If you want to go out and make a million dollars a year in your life, that is going to be a highly competitive marketplace that you're that you're going through. So so that's going to be tough. And um, you know, uh, especially in Canada, you know, if you're going to follow that route, um, you're gonna you're gonna have to get into the United States sooner rather than later, and and start, you know becoming a GA somewhere and how do you even get that contact to get that started? So, so those things are all really hard. Um, you know, if you want to coach high school, um, you know, a, a lot of times when, when guys are coming to me and they're like, Oh, coach, I want to do what you do. I was like, okay. Um, there's not very many of us. So I think, you know, let's, let's have a plan. So maybe I think a good, um, Avenue is maybe, maybe get into education and you can become a teacher and you can become a high school teacher and you could coach high school for your whole life if it doesn't work out here, but you're being able to provide for your family. You know, so I think, you know, the first thing I would say to those guys is you can't chase these dreams. I know everybody says, oh, you should go and chase your dreams. Well, Everybody who says that is, you know, sitting at a convocation stage, they're millionaires or or super millionaires, and they've gone through some strange, they're Oprah, and they've gone through some really unique uh, path to becoming successful, and they're like, well, I I just stuck to my dreams. Well, I guarantee you there's another million kids who stuck to their dreams who didn't have a backup plan, and it didn't work out so well, you know, so... I think you really need to be focused on, um, you know, uh, yeah, I really want to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to maybe put my all into this, but, you know, I, I think being realistic and protecting yourself and and ask yourself why you truly coach, you know, is it, I want to coach at the CFL because I have some sort of status. Like what's the difference, you know, if you're coaching, if you're coaching and you're getting paid, uh, what's the difference if you're coaching, CFL players high school players um, you know there's different challenges and different rewards but um, you know uh, if somebody said to me oh wouldn't it be great to coach in the NFL I don't know maybe Uh, it may be worse I don't know I, I know I would be making more money but I've never been motivated by money so I'm not sure that's that's a carrot that's gonna or or prestige you know I've never been motivated by prestige or whatever so that's not a carrot that would necessarily um, entice me. I mean, maybe it would, maybe it would be so professionally challenging and rewarding. I I don't know. I know that I'm uh, very fulfilled in the life that I'm living right now. And I feel very lucky to be living it. And, but if I wasn't, um, I would be doing something else. <laughs> you know, I might be coaching as a volunteer at a different level, but you know, I would, I would be doing something else. So, why do you coach
0: at the university level? What, what is it that makes you feel fulfilled about your position?
1: Well, it's not so much that I'm coaching at university. I mean, coaching at university is a happenstance. I I was coaching and a position came available and I got it. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I would be fulfilled coaching at other levels as well. Um, you know, uh, most educators who are who are educating to help kids reach their goals probably feel the same way so uh, i love that aspect i do it in sports so there's a competitive aspect that is really beneficial for me because that's something that obviously uh when you've been competing in things your whole life it's it's nice to have those things still to um to to get your juices flowing you know whenever i i talk to a group of kids, you know, and I, I talk about how um, what I love about sport is um, we can be so rational about it that we get the same emotions almost like we would if a situation was life and death. And we could we could test ourselves to that limit, but it's not life and death. And you get to start over again and learn from your mistakes. And, you know, nobody gets hurt. Um, you know, you do get hurt, obviously, but you know, you know what I mean, In in, in the real world speaking. So so that's what's fulfilling about it. To me, it's not that I'm at university. It's that, you know, it's, it's scratching an itch that I have. And I, I just, I love teaching my class too. You know, I just, I just like hopefully uh, helping kids find their path and find what they want to do to make their lives as fulfilled, hopefully, as mine is. You talked about this idea of people saying,
0: follow your dreams and how you have to be pragmatic to a certain level. How did you balance that as you entered the workforce and as you graduated from university because obviously as any listener would know who's understands the business model of the Canadian Football League is that you're not going to become generationally wealthy even right. if you play for 20 years.
1: Yeah. I th- I think um I think it's really important for people to find something that they're good at. You know, if if I was, I mean, I don't want to sound you know arrogant, but I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good at this, you know what I mean. So um, if I wasn't, uh, it would be the wrong path for me to, to chase. So no matter how much I wanted it, you know, if I'm like I'm going to be a football coach no matter what, but I was a, an amazing computer engineer. Uh, I you need to follow that path of computer engineering, and in my experience. The things that you're good at, you typically like anyways, you know, so um, find something you're good at and something that you like and you need to focus on those things. Um, You know, if you really love football, but you're not talented enough to make a living at it, go volunteer somewhere, do some things football wise, but follow the path that you're going to best support yourself and, you know, hopefully a family in the future, if that's what you, that's what you want. That's what I would say to people. You know, I, 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 wouldn't say lots of people come in here and they, they think they can be coaches and they just can't, they just don't, they just don't have what it takes to interact with the kids. And it has little to do with intelligence. It has to do with a lot, a lot of things, you know, people follow, people for different reasons you know people follow people who are nefarious and uh, have bad intentions and are bad actors but they have some sort of charisma and the next thing you know you know literally people are drinking the kool-aid well you know that's somebody who has something that can help people lead some people just don't have it you know that people are and they can be as smart as could be that doesn't mean there's not a place for them you know maybe they become some sort of analyst or something like that. And they're not front facing. Um, But typically, when you're when you're developing skills like that, um, you're developing skills that could help you hopefully in 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 the marketplace. You know, not just all I know is football, but I can't communicate. Well, you're doomed. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah, you need you need to, to, to find applicable skills. You'd worked in business.
0: I remember you telling us stories before you got actually into being a full-time coach. How do you contrast that experience with what it's been like coaching university football?
1: Um, well, I mean, on a personal note, I mean, the main difference, it, it, was, it was always an interesting dynamic of me in business having to hunt for my food you know as opposed to um having a steady income that 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 was that was always a, a real contrast to me and um some of the things that come with that 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 you notice in you know in a place like a university or a bureaucracy um i i find interesting um you know there there's some comfort i guess that comes with that but you know, uh, that can be really detrimental um, when you're in a, in a, you know, a a business that's ultra competitive and, you know, you really need to stay on top of things. And, and so I've been able to develop, this sounds really bad, but I've been able to develop internal pressures that have matched what I felt in the business world. um, Even though, Maybe I have more security. I, I, I don't let myself think that way um, because it I just find it detrimental to who I am and how I how I work and you know what I need for motivation. so um, but otherwise, you know, every marketplace is selling something and they're they're tangibly different. But there's, but there's a lot of similarities in, you know, uh, how you're organizing, how you're organizing people, how you're uh, um, developing common goals, how you're, you know, building uh, strategically for the long term and how you're putting out fires in the short term. A lot of those things are, are stuff that everybody will deal with uh, no matter what their industry is. And... Um, you know, my industry is just football. It's just a little different that way. But I have, you know, there's a hundred and something people involved in this organization. You know, it's a it's a medium-sized organization. So there's lots to manage. What would you say that uh, comes to mind first when you think of greatest lessons
0: that you've learned, whether it was a positive or a negative one in your time as the assistant head coach with the Bisons, once you became full-time, that is?
1: Yeah. Um, boy, that's a tough question for me. I don't, I think we've talked about this before. I don't do a lot of reflection. Um, I'm, I'm very forward facing. Um, I, I mean, I, I try to make sure I learn from my mistakes, um, at, you know, and try not to re- repeat my, my mistakes, but I think what you're asking for is kind of life lessons sort of thing. And, um, you know, I don't know what you put, what you put in is what you get out. And uh, I, I think, you know, I don't know if these are lessons, but these are things that, that I carry with me and I try to impart to the players uh, if they really want to achieve or overachieve, you know, you get out what you put in and you, you have to be, you have to be willing to get hurt. You just do. You just have, you have to be willing um, to get hurt to be get get hurt repeatedly until you achieve what you want to achieve so uh if you if you're not truly into it um and you kind of protect yourself emotionally um maybe you don't get hurt but it's really a lot tougher to to achieve so so some of these goals that that we look to achieve here um are hard uh and um I still strive you know if, if we had never won a Vanier cup um, and my career was two Vanier Cups, two losses, uh, a national semifinal, which we lost in the last minute. If that was my career, um, I would still be trying to achieve that goal, but but those things would have been extremely painful because because I've I've put everything into achieving that goal. And I was lucky enough to do it, but I fully well um appreciated that there's a chance that I wasn't gonna do it because it's hard. And I was okay with that. I knew I knew I was gonna feel pain. Um, but you know, nobody achieves anything without going through it. Nobody that the you know, successful entrepreneurs are there will be littered with a trail of failure. And you just have to be uh failure is not the enemy failure is the journey you 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 pick yourself up from from learning what you failed about you make yourself better and that's how you grow and it's not a cliche that's that's what it is that's what it is you know the first time we were in a canwest final we were at home i think we might have been undefeated or 7 and 1 or something and uh and we got smashed in that in that final and i I'll, I'll never forget uh, how bad a job i did in that game i'll never forget it I, it was it was something that um god it, i don't know was if it 2006 uh no like 2000 oh okay, okay 2000 uh and i i just i just i just did a really bad job i did i wasn't even during the game there's things that i could have corrected but i was i was you know i was I was just out of my depth almost in that game. It was, it was really bad. Um, you know, I was thinking about, thinking about other things, thinking about what happens if we win, then we go here. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff, you know, you got to be where your feet are and you got to, you know, but that I needed to learn that lesson. I, I just did. I needed to learn that lesson. And, you know, uh, I, I may have a bad plan, Um you know, in the future, but it's not going to be because I, I didn't have all my uh, I's crossed or dotted and T's crossed. So, um, yeah, it it was, and, and that, I'm just telling you, man, that, that really hurt. Like it really did. And yeah. And then next year we went to the Vanny cup, we lost and that really hurt. And, you know, but we, we persevered and that was great. Um, but there's a chance we couldn't have, you know, and in the end, you know, I, you're going to heal and you're going to, you know, maybe, you know, um, people always move the goal line on themselves. So they're, they say, okay, well, I really want to do this, but once they get to that thing, then they go, but I really want to do this. And I really want to do this, you know, and if your goal is to become this full-time coach, like, um, You know, and then you get there and then if you have all these failures chasing this new goal, you have to look back and say, well, you know, you, you got what you wanted, but there, there's, there's some pain that could come with that. You have to accept it. And that's with anything. That's with anything. There's a book that uh, that an
0: audio book I've been reading recently called 10 X is easier than two X. Did you say there's
1: an audio book that you've been reading lately?
0: Listening to. Uh, a 10-hour a podcast that uh, is also in the form of reading if you so choose to purchase the the book called 10X is Easier Than 2X and is talking about entrepreneurs and how transformational thinking is what is going to get you to the next level, not just doubling your efforts. And there's a concept within the book they call The Gap and the Gain. And it's also another book written that it was made by the same authors. And they talk about this idea of you're, you're, you're saying we're, when you are constantly looking forward at the horizon, the ideal, you're always going to be in the gap. You're never going to be satisfied. Hedonic adapt- adaptation is going to kick in and you're just constantly going to feel unsatisfied. Whereas when you look mm-hmm. at the gain, that's looking in hindsight and seeing, wow, this is how far I've come. And then it's, and you're only comparing yourself to where you've come from, not where you're going to go, because then you're just going to feel miserable. And so, It sounds like that's what maybe a bit of, even if you don't reflect that often, reflection that you can be satisfied with looking back on, knowing that, yes, the 2007 Vanya Cup was great, but all the failures that led up to that is what made you feel, you know, to use your own words from our last podcast episode, the unfettered joy when it was finally over and you can just breathe and relax, knowing that you had reached the top of the, the mountain, finally.
1: Yeah, and I think... I. It's good that you that you brought that up, because I, I, I want to articulate that. um, I, I, It's not that I don't have memories, um and I don't have great memories. And it's not that I'm not happy. This is one thing, it may be unique to me that that um, is different than maybe from um, some other people I listen to, you know, like tortured souls who, who can never be happy, you know, I'm happy, I just still continue to See the horizon and strive for it. But um, you know, I can be hurt by something and it tangibly hurt hurts me. Um, but I can compartmentalize that to 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 that thing and and that emotion for for that time. And you know, um, if everything's great at home, I can appreciate that and separate the other thing. And I've always been really good at that. And um, I think people need to be self-aware, you know, are you, are you going down that hole where, you know, your professional life, um, you keep striving, you keep striving, you keep striving, you know, you could read a million books about people who, um, who strove and left a wake of everything behind and didn't care about anything, family, anything like that, or neglected it at least um and there was some of that when I was when I was younger for sure um but um but I wasn't neglecting it I was just putting it off I was putting it off so I, I just I just said well I, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to do this and I'm I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to spend all my time doing this and so I, I've always been able to separate those two things so um I feel comfortable in that I I, I like that you know um, I still have this inner desire to to achieve things, um, but if I if I don't, um, you know, I still allow myself to be hurt by those things and and give it my all. But I but I'm okay with it. And you know, as I reflect now, thinking you know maybe I'm okay with it because we won. I I don't I don't know. Maybe it's unfair. Maybe I am. But, um, but I will say, you know. I put myself out there before and I had lots of failures and I kept, I kept coming back. So, and, and I was, enj- I was enjoying myself, even with all the failures. So I, I think that, I think you make a really good point and I think that's exactly what I'm saying, but um, I'm, I kind of, I kind of want to be in the middle. I don't want to just, you know, smell the roses all the way coming up. Uh, I, I also want to, uh, I want to appreciate my life, but I, I still want that, um, those 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 horizons to to keep changing and keep keep building and keep getting new goals
0: you touched on a point of when you invested your time more into into football and then as you get older then you invest time in your family how has becoming a parent changed your perspective or philosophy on coaching football and what you do
1: well uh, i don't know um emotionally, um, certainly it's, it's changed some stuff. Uh, I mean, am I, I just think we managed, we manage it. Like our family just manages it. I'm not sure that I'm spending less time at football, uh, you know, uh, during football. Um, but, you know, the things that are tangible as our times together, you know, also Matias. you know what I do a lot um, because you know, we don't have this this situation where we have a staff of six people in the office. I'll stay I'll stay at home and work, you know what I mean? So at least I can, you know, even if I'm not really there, I'm there, you know what I mean? So worse worst play worst thing happens, you know, somebody falls and hits their face, I'm I'm still there to give somebody a hug or something like that, you know, or say goodnight or those sort of things. So um I've definitely um, ensured that I I did those things when I was younger. I would I would just be in the office all the time. I I just I I would be there all the time. Uh, so now I stay at home more. You know I don't want to make it sound like you know. So then I stop what I'm doing and we we go to the zoo. That that doesn't happen. <laughs> that, that, that that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean I've seen all the memes in the last week or so with. And heard all the audios of, oh, oh, I lost my poor husband, Edgar. Like, like, stop telling everyone I'm dead. And it's like yeah. wives during football season <laughs> because it's like or girlfriends during
1: football season. Like, you know, that once August hits to the end of November, like. Yeah, that's-, that's it, man. That's it. You know, I really look forward to and I hope they do, too. You know, like things like uh, the night before the game, you know, where. You know, we get pizza on Friday and we watch Friday night football and we're all together. And then Saturday morning, uh, you know, they come down after the game and, you know, and they're at the game, which is comforting and all those things. So I, I just enjoy those things. Like those are those are great things. And, you know, in one of the things about you talk about the NFL versus our world in our world, you know, it's three or four months. Um, it's not seven, <laughs> you know, so. It, it's it's a sacrifice but you know to me just take advantage of the you know the other the other eight kind of thing when you can be around a little more.
0: well i'll say there's nothing more therapeutic than being in the coach's room eating dominoes after a win that is yeah, that, that is, is an experience unlike any other
1: <laughs> no that is that is that is good yeah that is good winning is good you know winning is it's uh yeah, it's just a great feeling, and you just keep chasing it. I what's do you ever reflect? Like, I
0: mean, I know you said you don't reflect a lot, but at least in my memory, there, there's there been some, some crazy games that have happened in the last few years. Are there any wins at home in particular that stick out to you that you still, when you think back on, you smile a little bit extra when you think of them?
1: Mm-mm. I can't remember any of them. Um, we have these. I remember things that happened, and so I'll say, remember this happened, and we'll try to reflect on what game it was, and some guys are really good, they'll go, we were at home, it was, this was the score, whatever, I'm like, what, and they'll be like, yeah, and I'd be like, "That that's how much we won by, I go, no, I don't remember that, like, um, I just don't remember any of that stuff, you know, but if I, if I put the game on, I'll start remembering, things and calls and how the game was going and stuff like that but yeah um i don't i don't i just i just... yeah i don't know why i remember some things other than others i mean there's been a lot of games so.
0: <laughs> i mean yeah that's i, yeah. I, I always found that like so for some reason all the games at home are always so crazy and there was always something up and and whether it was should be beating a team by more or a comeback or whatnot and i just remember afterwards in the locker room that there would always be the same smile on your face like well we won or oh this play was crazy but i guess it doesn't matter on to the next week
1: yeah 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 i mean um Yeah. To to be honest, I, I don't particularly like the games. That's also probably part of it. Um, it's the part of it. I, I, I dislike the most. Um, I really like practice. Um, I I really don't like the games. I, 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 don't, I think some people find that really odd, but, uh, I just don't, I, I'm, I'm super relieved when we win and, uh, it's not great when we lose. Um, and, you know, but I look forward to it and I look forward to the challenge, but just living in those three hours is, is never, is never great. Yeah. It's never a great experience.
0: Coach Mitchell said the exact same thing. When I interviewed him, he said, he's like, I hate game day because I'm so nervous and you're, it, it can be easy to overthink things. And there's all these different elements and one play can make a huge swing and it's harder to stay in a consistent rhythm compared to when you're in practice and guys are calm and if they make a mistake they're like ah it's okay flush it learn keep going
1: yeah i think um especially game day i i mean i, I coaching is 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 important um but but players are the most important things and um you know on game day what i'm I'm most fearful as is, uh, is, is one of my interjections has, um, hurt the player's uh, opportunity to be successful. And, uh, and that's what stresses me the most, you know, it's not that, uh, we win or lose the game, you know, it's that I don't, that's a time where I can really cause harm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like yeah. flat out. And, um, and i i just don't i don't i don't want to get in the way of them um being successful
0: yeah that's the the afternoon games those are yeah there's i don't know it's i i enjoy game day i guess from my perspective cuz i don't have any impact on what's going to happen but <laughs> i understand the, from the perspective of the coaches that i've seen it before as a player where Again, I don't know strategy, I don't know, hey, this is what scheme and whatever. I just show up, kick the ball, whatever. And when guys after the game are like, "Well, they called this play or they changed everything and they were trying to outthink the room and and I just hear those stories and I'm like, "Man, I, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. I, I remember when I when I played the, in you'll have
1: to you'll have to uh to tell the audience that that you were not here when that happened. When people are saying, oh, they out thought the room when you were kicking or whatever. that Was that at Manitoba? No, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. That was when I was when I played in when I played in Winnipeg Junior and then when I played in B.C., I remember hearing stories. You don't
1: have to you don't have to you don't have to tell any tell any tales of that I just want people to make it clear that that was not here. Oh, no, 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 no one. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Nobody was out thinking
0: the room when <laughs> Manitoba, not what's, Not whatsoever. I mean, it's like Coach Mitchell or you said, like a game happens three hours. Like it, it almost sounds to me the way you're describing it as if you're trying to diffuse like an atom bomb. And you're like, I don't want the wrong move or the wrong cord cut to make everything blow up.
1: It's a great analogy. It, you know, it, sometimes it kind of does feel like that for sure. You know, um, yeah, sometimes it does, you know, sometimes, and sometimes you're in a game, man, and it's just everything is, everything is just good. Like you're one step ahead of things and everything's just, just cruising. And then there's some games where you're one step behind and, and it's not good. You know, um, it's not good. You, you, you have to reset and figure out what's going on and, and, and fix it fast. Yeah. Was the 2007 Vanya Cup? Did you
0: find that that game was like particularly stressful in terms of the flow of how it went, or not? Not not as much.
1: Hmm. Okay. Maybe you'll find this interesting. Maybe people will. Uh, my main focus in 2007, when we got to the back to the game, was to make sure that I stayed as calm and in the moment as possible. Because I remember in 2001, um, after the game, just thinking like, like what just happened? you know, I, I was like, I wasn't even in my own body. Like I let the emotions of the moment, you know, so I just wanted to make sure I was present. So that's, that was, that was my main focus in that game was just to make sure I was present, make sure I was thinking clearly, um, you know, um, after the first drive, we were in control of the game. There was no, you know, so that was, that was good. Um, We were staying on top of things, but I just wanted to make sure that I was, I was really in the moment. And um, uh, so other than when Matt got hurt and how long that took, you know, um, all our running back. So it was 2007. It's a different time, (laughs) you know, like, uh, you know, my thought as, as the game was going on, you know, we're up two scores and, and we're out of running backs, and you know, I'm thinking to myself, "Great, how are we going to run this thing out?" Because that was the thought process back then, right? Like, keep the clock moving, run this thing out, and uh, let's get out of here. And we don't have, you know, I'm thinking, well, the, the only way they can get back in this game is if we keep stopping the clock, you know, and uh, and that that was, um, I don't know how stressful that was, but it was in the back of my mind, like um, as the game went on. So that that was just the flow of that football game. Well, before we wrap for our time today, I
0: just wanted to have a handful more questions. Yeah. To have a little bit more fun before we part. So who is your favorite football player growing up as a kid? Lawrence Taylor. Why Lawrence Taylor?
1: I don't know, (laughs) but he was, well, he was the best defensive player in football when he was playing. So, you know, when I, when I was, in my formative years, you know, when I was a teenager, he was on the Giants, and the Giants were getting good, and you know he was he was the most dominant player in football, so it was it uh that was an easy one Lawrence Taylor who was your favorite football
0: coach you ever had during your time playing?
1: Hmm, boy i i I hate to single one out because. I, I got a lot of things from all of them. And, uh and I just appreciate, you know, growing up, like those guys are volunteers, you know what I mean? And uh, they're giving their time uh for me to be able to, you know, it, it, when you're a kid, you're irrational, right? So, so when I was a kid, um, you know, I didn't know, I know, I wanted to play football, I didn't know where I should go to play. You know, I grew up in Waverly Heights, you know, there wasn't a Football team at the community center at Waverly Heights, you know, and I ended up going to Crescentwood because one of my best friends said, Hey, Crescentwood has football, you should sign up, kind of thing. And it went from there. And, um, you know, all those coaches from that point on, I just appreciate that they were there to help me have my journey, you know, and um, experience. Uh, what is to me the most rewarding and, and fun game in the world? And what are the three best books
0: that you've three best nonfiction books you've read?
1: Hmm, 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 hmm. Well the autobiography of Malcolm X is one of them. It's all gonna be biographies. Uh, I think Patriot Rain on on uh on the patriot stuff hmm. <laughs> trying to think of another bill walsh's book was good <laughs> it's going to be something in that in that genre something about uh about uh there's a book i wrote i i, I read on business i can't remember the title it's bill gates's favorite book that was good Good to great but uh no it wasn't good to great um (laughs) it wasn't good to great oh my god that was a thing um yeah boy um but definitely the most um formative book when i was growing up was um was the autobiography of malcolm x for sure
0: that's uh that's a real powerful one for sure to to enjoy
1: well, I, I don't, I don't read any fiction. It's always a biography on somebody or something. Yeah. Like I, I, when people say, Hey, you ever just read to enjoy? I'm
0: like, yeah, I do. But it's just nonfiction or it's business books or it's whatever. Yeah. Like I, I don't have time to read fantasy or whatever. I just, that's not my thing.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, you now. I, I listen to everything now. So I, it gets jumbled to me. What, uh, I mean, to be honest, um, there's so many good informative podcasts out there now. Um, it uh that takes all the spare time I would use. Uh actually even more so, right? Because you know, I go to the grocery store, I put in a podcast, I'm driving, I put in a podcast. You can't read during those times, right? So yeah. that's where I get all my information now. Plus I consume it better. I was a TV baby, so i I would always retain stuff that um is spoken to me as opposed to reading it. When I was in school, I always had to reread things over and over again because my mind would start to drift right you know that's yeah that's how my brain works.
0: i feel that big time growing up with tv <laughs> and having to watch tv and what could ever happen to tv like yeah <laughs> yeah well this has been a a, a whole whack of fun and uh, i'm i'm excited for for the football season again to start because there's there's no other time of the year like uh september to november and yeah, uh sure. I'm glad that we were able to to chop it up again for the first time in a while.
1: Yeah, man. Anytime. Anytime. Glad you're back home.